0: Hey, my friends, welcome to Real Live Talk. If you're here for the first time, we do live episodes every Monday and Thursday. The goal is to basically just have transformational conversations with awesome people that are doing awesome things in the world and um, hope that this episode blesses you, maybe challenges you, encourages you, adds some value to your day. If it does, if you consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, any of those things would be super helpful and I really, really appreciate it. Today I have Misty Phillip with me. As the founder of Spark Media, Misty is an equipper of Christian communicators and podcasters. She hosts the By His Grace podcast and is the author of the award-winning book, The Struggle is Real, But So Is God. I love that title, Misty. Uh, But thank you so much for joining me. This is my last episode of 2021. And uh, I'm super pumped that you're here. Really, really honored. Uh, I can't stress it enough, just how honored I am to have you on the show. So thanks so much. And uh, I'm just, uh, I'm excited to hear your story, for you to share your story with the listeners today. And uh, again, so thanks so much for doing
1: this. Absolutely Duke I am so excited to be here with you today. Just
0: before we jump in I feel like it's important for me to mention cuz I don't know if people would be aware of just how much skill it took as a podcaster for me not to call you Misty Phillips a minute ago <laughs> but to but to, but to say Philip and to not pronounce that name incorrectly is that is that a recurring problem? Well, yeah, I just imagine oh,
1: that it is. I have a fun little story about that. So last year, I spoke at the National Day of Prayer that was put on by pray.com. And cool. I spoke right before President Biden. And um, there was all of these amazing pastors and people that had spoken before me. And I kept waiting. It was about a two hour prayer service. And I kept waiting to see when, when I was going to speak. And I was like, it was me and then President Biden. And and then Mike Pence, and when they put me up on the screen, they put Misty Phillips, and I was oh, like, "Oh no!" no. And <laughs> I was like, "Okay, God, I think you have a way of just keeping me humble. You know, just keep me humble."
0: Yeah, right. It's like those little things, those little things in life. That's incredible that you're that you're sharing a stage with the president.
1: I know. <laughs> get your and name. My name wrong. was wrong, and I was like, it's "What?" Nuts. And then I was like, "Okay, it's really not about me, God. I know it's not about me. It's about you." So. um so yeah,
0: <laughs> that's so crazy. Were you mad for at least a minute or so? Uh,
1: like, like just a just a few seconds. I mean, people just... people do it all the time. But the problem is, there are Misty Phillips out there in the world, mm-hmm. and if they try to search Misty Phillips, they will not find me. And so, yeah. um, I want to make sure if they're trying to look and connect with me, that they can. So, yeah, everybody does it though. And my poor husband, his name is Peter, and so everybody calls him Philip. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> because our last name is Philip. Because he's got two first names. So yeah, we just deal with it and we roll with it.
0: What was your uh, maiden name, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Yeah, Hinkley.
0: Hinkley. Okay. Yeah, I knew. I knew that. I actually did know that. Yeah.
1: So that was that was fun in junior high school when John Hinkley Jr. shot the president. Oh, I bet. <laughs> but uh, rather be associated with the yachts, the Hinkley yachts. Um, there you go. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's really, really cool. I mentioned a second ago that I love the title of your book. The struggle is real, but so is God. That's such a fun, a fun title, but such a profound truth as well. And i I was telling you just off air before we jumped on here that i I am somewhat familiar with your story, um, bits and pieces, because I do follow your content. And uh, I really appreciate all that you're doing in the world to <laughs> help podcasters and Christian communicators and the message of of hope that you have and of God's goodness and of grace. I just um, I love it. And so again, I'm excited that you're here um, before. I So I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about your past, if you could tell us a little bit about your story, just in terms of how you got to this place where you are today, doing what you do, working um, with with um, the people that you work with and with the Spark Media Conference and the book that you wrote and all the stuff that you do and the content that you're creating and uh, just the, the resources that you're putting out for people. So I'd love to hear about all of that. Just before we do that, could you just share a little bit about what it is that you do? And that might be a loaded question because I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> One of the things about this conversation that I'm excited to to really find out about is like I don't know it just seems like there's a lot of different things that you have going on a lot of different things on your plate. So uh, however however this works for you, but if you could share just a little bit about uh, what you do and then we'll kind of get into the the why.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. Um... It started as a prayer request to the Lord because I was working on my next book and I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And my husband had come to me and he said, baby, I think you're flattered that you have an agent that wants to work with you, but I don't think this is what you're supposed to do next. Why would you take the focus off of your podcast? You are reaching people Mm. all around the world. And I think podcasting is your jam. I think that's what you're supposed to be doing. And so I had thought that I was supposed to write this other book. I'd already written 40,000 words. And for anybody who's Hmm. written a book, it's, um, you put your heart and soul um, into it. And, and so really I was, I knew my husband was right though. I knew it wasn't the time. So I went to God and I said, where does my gifting and my calling line up in this season? And he said, Hmm. podcast conference and i said what <laughs> and and i realized okay. that there was no one serving christian podcasters um from mm. the industry um christianity is a really large category because it includes sermon audio it includes shows like this it includes monologues it includes like some hipsy-dipsy tripsy stuff and so it's all kind of like this one big category um but i wanted to bring the best of what was happening in the industry to my christian podcast friends and i just felt like they were not being served well in the industry and so i started the spark conference three weeks before the world shut down and Uh, okay. Yeah. So it was in, it was in 2020 of uh, February 21st and 22nd. And I filled a hotel, um, little conference area full of about 150 people standing room only. Mm-hmm. We ended up having probably more than that, um, because people, wow. people were sneaking in and it was, uh, it was just a really amazing event because we literally had people come from all over the world. A lot of people knew each other online and this was the first time that they were were connecting in person. Wow. Um, and then from that, like fifteen people started podcasts, so it was really cool. That's so
0: cool, Misty. Can I ask you how did you go about doing that? Like, how did you attract enough people to fill that conference center space that you were in for that first conference that you know God spoke to you about and told you what to do, and you were like, okay, let's try this. <laughs> but like, how did you actually attract those people to have that be successful on your first go around?
1: Yeah, I, there was, there was a special anointing on Spark and I can't take the credit from it. It came from the oh. Lord. So when I sat down and I started praying through the venue, the speakers, that just all the different pieces of it. Um, I would call one of my friends and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this podcast conference. What do you think? And they're like, oh, that's so amazing. And so I think my excitement for it got other people excited. But then Mm. when I would come to a point where I didn't know what I would need to do or I needed a sponsor, like God opened the doors and the windows of heaven. And so I had people from industry come. Um, I also had folks, focus on the family as one of my sponsors and focus on the family doesn't just partner with anybody. And so that was just a really huge blessing to me. Um, The folks from Logos Bible Software were there and I'm a Bible study nerd. So that was really fun to have these, you know, companies um, really believe in what I was doing. And then I had Blueberry, my hosting company, Buzzsprout was there, and um, Supporting Cast from Slate was there, and some other publishers wow. of Mercy House Global. And and really, all of those connections really and truly came from the Lord, and, and He blessed it. And then I just got really excited. Every day, I was like, okay, God, what are we going to do today? Who do we need to talk to? And literally, I prayed through it. And I just want to tell your listeners, like, if there's something that God has given you and it seems bigger than you, God does that. He gives on, us God-sized man. dreams that we can't do on our own so that it requires us to um, to seek him and to get his wisdom. And then if we do that and we're obedient to the thing he calls us to, there's so many blessings. And I'm not like teaching a prosperity thing it's just the truth so, that if we do things yeah. god's way there's abundant blessing there and and that's what happened with spark
0: that's awesome and and now you have a a community right you've you have this uh, community of podcasters and so how does that work?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so God had actually put the idea for the community on my heart as I was preparing for the conference, and we kind of did a soft launch of it. We were telling people about it um, at the conference, and um, you know, we we're like, "Stay tuned for more details." Um, And then I went to the launch of podcast magazine because I was featured in the first issue of that. And I came home and all the grocery store shelves were empty and it, you know, we had been thrown into, to a lockdown and I was like, there's no way I can launch my community now. I had planned to launch it then. And, and so I just waited and I, I waited and then we were, you know, a month, six weeks into the pandemic and it, we weren't going anywhere. Like everybody was still stuck at home and I knew it was time to launch the community because I was like, we have to get busy about um, God's Work And then also there, there were times that people couldn't go to church. And so Christian podcasting mm. became the new pulpit. And I wanted to encourage the people who were encouraging other people and, um, to get them to, um, just to come together and for us to pray for one another. And that's how it started. And then from there, it's, it's just grown from there. It's grown into a podcast network, which it was just, it's been a series for me. Of just saying, seeing a need within the community, and then taking that to God in prayer and saying, What do you want me to do about this? what's what's next for us?
0: That's so cool. it's It's awesome how God just can take such a you know difficult or unpleasant circumstance, like what we were all in in the middle of two thousand and twenty or the beginning of twenty twenty throughout twenty twenty. And, uh, you know, with the lockdown and everything and how like in the midst of difficulty and challenges and stuff that we're all facing, that God gives you creative ideas and instructions and he he shows you how to innovate in the midst of that. Like hundreds of thousands of podcasts were started in the past year, you know, during this, this lockdown process, this pandemic process, because people that probably had wanted to do it for a while that suddenly had extra time on their hands and uh, you know maybe saw an opportunity that they didn't think that they had before you know maybe they were out of work and you're, you know whatever uh, just whatever the circumstances were that have uh, just caused so much there's just one area too is podcasting of, of innovation to come out of and and just um Creativity. I don't know. I don't know. Are, are you like me? I'm, I'm like always encouraging people to start podcasts <laughs> because <laughs> yeah,
1: if you're around not me, just here, anybody,
0: y'all. but, yeah. but, you know, people that have a good, you know, people that have a message, people that have something that they're passionate about, um, people that are interested in getting content out there. I'm always like, yo, please just start a podcast. Like, especially if I hear something that I feel like there's any kind of a, a gap, you know, if you have a niche that's that's just like special where there's not a whole lot of resources in that area i'm always just pushing people like come on just start a podcast like we need this i love this mean like i love this uh this way of communicating with the world and presenting content to people like what we're doing right now this sort of long form conversation or the shorter you know interview type format as well but where you can kind of get to know somebody and hear their heart i just think it creates a really cool context for for learning and for growth you know
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, in 2020 alone, I think there were more than a million podcaster that were started and that's um, what I thought. they're not all yeah. active. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of people will start it and then they realize it's hard work to produce all this it content is. and then they stop. Um, but then there are other people that I definitely, if you're around me very often, you know, for very long, you're <clears> probably <throat> going to end up with a podcast, even the people who are like, Oh, I'm never going to have a podcast. And then it's fun. Cause then the next, year they come back to me and they're like hey i want to try this podcasting thing what do i need to do and so yeah
0: it's so cool the the best part for me and uh, we were talking about this off the off the air before we got started the best part for me is being able to you know build new connections connect with new people but that's also the most challenging part for me is uh, the amount of time that actually on my end goes into scheduling two guests every week and uh, all of that and wanting to be you know a good like I'm always trying to be at least 30 days 30 to 45 days advanced scheduled you know with guests coming up so that I'm not like at the last minute trying to find someone to fill a spot and uh, you know that it's so it's the best part is finding new people to interact with but it's also the most challenging part for me and probably the most time-consuming area for me because I don't do a whole lot of editing anymore like I just I just kind of I take what I got. And unless there was like a major audio glitch or something, I I just kind of let it fly. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, that aspect of always like trying to connect with people, build relationship and um, plug people into time slots and making sure schedules line up and stuff like that. It's the best part about this, but it's also for me the, the most uh, the most challenging.
1: Yeah, well, then you definitely need to um, come to one of the Spark conferences. You know, this year we are partnering with the National Religious Broadcasting event. Oh, we cool. did that last year as well. And the cool thing about that is the NRB brings together ministry leaders. Um, it is... Uh, television, radio, there are so many people there to interview. You know, I interviewed people like Sam Sorbo, Kevin Sorbo's wife, Mm -hmm. and um, just lots of different people that you would not have access to otherwise, and they're all in one place. And so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of batch recording when I can. So Mm -hmm. when I launched my podcast, I launched it at a conference where I interviewed 15 people and that, those were my first 15 episodes did it all in this one weekend and got it all out of the way. Um, So yeah, there's lots of different ways that you can do it.
0: That's awesome uh yeah no i'm definitely interested to uh to find out more about that i'll talk i'll talk with you off air about <laughs> about some of that stuff when, when is the next conference it's coming up um a couple couple of months
1: march yeah we're super excited march 7th and 8th at the gaylord opry land and then the the nrb runs the 8th through the 11th so we're having our event as a pre- pre-conference event to the NRB, and so people can come gather for Spark, and then if they want, they can stay for the NRB, and if not, then, then they don't have to.
0: Okay. That's a beautiful venue for a conference. Have you, have you been there before?
1: Yeah. So I went to podcast movement there this past summer and yeah, it's a great venue. And we were at the Gaylord Texan um, with the NRB this past July. So got a little bit familiar with it then as well.
0: That's cool. I've, I've been to the Gaylord in um, uh, Baltimore area. I know it's not technically Baltimore, but it's like right there outside of DC and uh, yeah, it's just, Awesome. Awesome place. Awesome facility. So that's super cool. Well, I'll have to. uh, Yeah, again, I'll connect with you a little bit, a little bit, (laughs) a little bit later about about that. But um, yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, but let's just um, for anybody out there that may be a podcaster or someone who wants to become a podcaster who wants to become better at communicating with the world. um, Would you just run over those details about that conference again real quick, just the dates and how where they could go to register if anyone's interested?
1: Yeah, so the dates are March 7th and 8th and they can go to sparkmedia.ventures so there's no .com it's .ventures sparkmedia.ventures mm-hmm. and what makes my conference unique is is we um we we help people that want to start a podcast but a lot of the people that come are already experienced podcasters ready to take it to the next level we mm-hmm. also um, because podcasting and speaking and writing they all go hand in hand we have literary agents that are on um that are on press to take literary appointments and if you have anybody here who wants to write a book, um, going to a a writing conference to try to get one of those slots, they're really super competitive but they're not as competitive at the podcast conference so that's really cool or if you have a podcast that you want to turn into a book and we do some business coaching but probably my favorite thing about the conference is that we have the Spark Media Podcast Awards and um, the industry has podcast awards. But they usually go to, um, like shows that are have an LGBTQ bent, or okay. that have, you know, they're mm-hmm. just it's a they they serve a very different audience, and because mm-hmm. the work that we do as Christian podcasters is is so important, not just, um, to encourage people, but to share the gospel and we can reach people around the world. And so there's an eternal value for it as well. And so I really love to, to just showcase the work that other people are doing and to, um, to honor that work because it's hard. It's not easy, this content creation thing that we do, um, and then to do it with excellence. And so, yeah, that's one of my favorite things. And you don't have to be present to win an award, um, but you do have to nominate. The nominations need to be in by the end of January. Okay,
0: okay. Well, that's super cool. Well, I appreciate all the all the work that you're doing in that area. Um, it's uh, it's it's so needed, and it's it's awesome what you're doing. Um, can let's uh, let's kind of go into a um, little bit of the why and how all this came about how you got into podcasting with the by his grace podcast and um, the writing and and uh, the things that you are doing now to really exalt the name of jesus to promote this message of the gospel and uh, in the different ways that you are just serving people um all over the world and uh, so yeah can we get into a little bit of your story and how this kind of was sparked Not to, uh, no pun intended.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give you the brief synopsis. So, um, I was working at Enron back in the day when Enron was a corporation. God called me out of Enron to lay my life down for my kids into homeschool. And I had a son who was vaccine injured and had a brain injury Mm. and was in and out of the hospital. And, um, we went through some really, really difficult early years in our marriage. My husband's parents both had brain tumors and they lived next door to us. And I lost babies and was on bed rest for months and just like thing after thing after thing, like major thing happened. So Mm -hmm. those are part of the struggles that I faced. And, um, I I had a bicycling accident where I broke both of my arms and I couldn't do anything. So I went from being this incredibly busy mom, homeschooling these boys, traveling around the country, um, doing sports, doing speech and debate, all these different things with my kids to not being able to do anything. And God Mm. sat me down for about a year, and it was, I couldn't do anything in that time, except for, I could pray, and I prayed a lot during that time, because think about it, like, we use our arms to do everything, to, to eat, to brush our hair, our teeth, to dress ourselves, and literally somebody else had to do all of those things for me. And it was, it was very humbling, but it was also a time where God really got my attention and He began speaking to me. And I also realized I was the older woman and I had a lot of life experience to share with younger women. And that's what the Bible says. Older women are to teach the younger women to love their husbands and, and, um, and just to be a godly, godly woman. And so I went to my husband after I began to heal, and I said, I think I'm supposed to share my story. I think I'm supposed to share my story, and I want to write about this, or I want to write about that. And one of the topics was overcoming. And Mm -hmm. my husband said, baby, that's your life story. It is so your life story. And so I went to the Lord with the word overcoming, and I was like, what does the Bible say about overcoming, and so I went to every place in um, the Bible where the word overcome was, or overcoming, and I went to the Greek, and the Greek word for overcome is, is Nike, we might recognize that as Nike, and uh, that started me on a quest, and the Lord really showed me this, this string of, um, what our problem is. And we all have the same problem, whether we want to admit it or not. And that's sin. We live in a fallen world and we have a Sin is our problem. So it started in the garden and we've been in a battle ever since then. And, but God didn't leave us here without weapons of warfare. He gave us his word, but we have to know the word in order to be able to use the the word as a weapon. So then I looked at old Testament overcomers because God has given us their stories as examples and, and the, and the characteristics that they had in common were faith and obedience And, um, and then if you follow sort of that string through the Bible, I kept going, I got to the middle of the book and it was all about Jesus because it is, it's all about Jesus. The whole Bible, the whole story, the whole narrative from cover to cover is about Jesus and what he's done for us. And then I looked at new Testament overcomers and, um, and, you know, some of the most unlikely people. Peter, you know, denied Jesus three times, yet he was pivotal. God said, I'm going to build my church on you. Paul was killing Christians. And, Look at who Paul became. I mean, God can use anybody. And that's really what I wanted people to understand, that we can take all of the difficult and the bad things that we've been through and we can use our story to give God glory. And I think that, um, you know, the Bible says we go through things so that we can minister to others. But then if you follow that thread all the way to the end, it goes to it goes to Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, there are specific promises to those who overcome. And it takes faithful endurance to overcome the onslaught of things that we will face in our life to keep the faith. But there are such rich rewards in um, heaven. And so everything here is temporary um, in light of eternity. Mm.
0: And so basically what, what I'm hearing from you is that um, the stuff that you're doing today, which God is using you in really, really powerful, really profound ways. Um, and it's all just growing, right? It's all it's all growing. And uh, he's getting you in front of more and more people to hear this, this message of God's grace and, and of his goodness and just the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And, uh, but it was basically essentially birthed out of difficulty, right? Birthed out of suffering, birthed out of pain, birthed out of you know, trial and the complexity of life, and things that I imagine that at the time you probably couldn't understand or explain or wrap your head around. I mean, you just mentioned a few things that had all kind of happened within a certain, within a um, a specified season of life, right? Where all these things, all these challenges, were 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 happening at once. Maybe not at once, but within a, a you know a certain period of time, and how you know, out of that, God has birthed something, you know, through you that is really just amazing and that's impacting the lives of so many people. He's so good at that, right? Like yeah. he's so good at taking the 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 challenges of our lives and the things that, like, I don't know. I don't know how to, It's it's so difficult to, you know, sometimes have this conversation because we just don't know. Like, I don't know why certain people are dealt the cards that they're dealt in life. Like it seems like some people they're born into this world with a really difficult hand already dealt to them. Right. And some yeah. people are kind of born into this world with a silver spoon in their mouth, so to speak, or, you know, where where the, the challenges and the difficulties are not there on that same level. Not that, you know, then they have different struggles that they go through. And if we were to compare them side by side, we'd say, Oh, well, that's not nearly as hard as that. But for them, it's still the hardest thing that they've gone through. Right. And so there's still challenges there. Everyone, everyone deals with challenges, but it's like, when we look at these different things, like we can look at, um, the, the different challenges that people go through and still see that in the midst of it, if we keep our faith in Jesus Christ and we keep walking after him and you mentioned faith and obedience, and if we just allow our hearts to be anchored in hope you know and allow our hearts to be anchored in God's promises and in his faithfulness and in who he is then in the midst of all of it we can still see something incredible and beautiful you know as the result um even even starting in a place of intense struggle or difficulty or pain or suffering or tragedy or you know whatever it is god can still you know just birth something so beautiful out of that process
1: absolutely in the in the book of hebrews it talks about us running our our race with perseverance and that we have a great yeah. cloud of witnesses cheering us on and and you're absolutely right when you're going through the trial or the struggle, you may not understand why, and it's okay to question God and ask him why, and we may not get an answer. Um, we just can't get stuck in the why, because I think that challenges do one of two things to people. It either makes them better, or and they learn from it, and they grow, and they help others, or they become bitter, well, and they get stuck in that tragedy that difficulty that place of pain so we have to we have to press on past that and so i think another character quality that's important is perseverance like when Mm. you get knocked down get back up again and you keep running that race and you may fall again and you pick yourself up and you keep going
0: yeah absolutely i I love i love how you said that you know we have basically two options we can become better (laughs) or we can become bitter and yeah, again, that that willingness to um, just kind of keep God at the center of it all is so important. How how would you say that, you know, through the through the different challenges of, of your life, um, how important was just the attitude of being grateful and thanks and thankfulness? And like, how did you maintain that in the midst of? you know, some of those challenges that you've gone through?
1: Yeah. Um, I started reading a book by Ann Voskamp called A Thousand Gifts, and it's a, it's mm. a practice of daily uh, being grateful. I didn't know how profoundly that book would impact my life. It was during that time um, that I had just turned 40 and I was pregnant with um, my son, Liam, And we went to the ultrasound to find out whether we were having a boy or a girl is what I thought we were there for. Um, But we were there for, to see, um, to look at his growth. And um, they kept measuring and measuring. And there were a lot of things wrong with, with our son. And um, the doctors told us, you should abort your baby because he's incompatible with life. And we knew God had given us this, this child for a reason, and that his life had meaning and purpose, regardless of how long he lived. And it was during that pregnancy that I was reading that book. And so Mm -hmm. I looked at my pregnancy, knowing my son may not live, um, or even, or even come to be alive in this earth. But I knew that every day that I was pregnant was a gift. And so instead of complaining about my waistline getting larger, I just said, thank you, Lord, that I'm pregnant another day. And Mm. it was really looking at, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances, finding a way to be grateful every day, because we all can be um, grateful. We just have to sometimes we have to flip the script and look at things in a, in a different way. So we just have to turn things on their head and say, you know what, mm. this is, a, this is a difficult thing that I'm going through, but you've allowed it for a reason. You've, you've given me this gift for this, this time and let me steward it well.
0: You know, I think that becoming intentionally thankful and making that decision to be grateful. Um, when Circumstance-wise, you sh- you wouldn't be normally. You shouldn't be just based on circumstances. But when you intentionally make that choice, um, I don't think anything can really shift your attitude and your perspective quicker than that. Like that's such a that's such a. And I know a lot of people talk about you know be you know as almost like a meditative practice. Like start every day off with gratitude and stuff like that. And there's there's different there, you know there's definitely value in that. And you know I know that a lot of people talk about that, but um, You know, recognizing that in the midst of our struggles, that as believers, that we have access to somebody who is so much bigger than our problems and our challenges, that his grace is so sufficient to cover every single need and issue and challenge and perplexity and all of that that we're facing and how like in the midst of those difficult or even like impossible to handle on your own issues and circumstances of life, that when you choose to be grateful and to give God honor and to give him worship and to give him praise and to give him thanksgiving. You know, the Bible talks about a sacrifice of thanksgiving, you know, and uh, that means that like, you don't have to feel it. You don't have to want to do it necessarily in that moment. But when you choose to do that, it's just um, amazing how quickly that your attitude can begin to shift. It might not happen immediately, you know, and of course circumstances are different for everybody, but uh, I think that that's one of the most um, profound, like, impactful ways that we can begin to shift our perspective on things. And perspective is so important because, like you said, like you know, you can be focused on things that ultimately don't really matter that much, and these things that are small in the grand scope of things that get our attention and that we get angry about and frustrated about, and you know, all these things, and then like none of those things matter when there's a big issue in our lives, right? When there's like a bigger thing going on, none of those things matter. And so I just think that in every circumstance of life, learning how to be grateful and learning how to to walk in thanksgiving and express thanksgiving to the Lord for who he is, for what he's done, even in the midst of things that we don't understand, but being willing to be be grateful and to remember, you know, his goodness and his faithfulness in that process. Because when you can begin to see God's goodness and faithfulness, even in the midst of things that we can't understand or don't know how to deal with on our own, um, that's just uh, such a a, a recipe, like you were talking about overcoming. Um, That's what it takes.
1: Absolutely. And I love what you said about a sacrifice of praise, um, because Mm -hmm. at our son's funeral, um, we sang the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I was in such a peace bubble because I was so focused on God and, and prayer that I was able to minister to other people at my son's funeral. And for my unbelieving mother to see me who she had lost a a son and, um, and my brother had died when I was young and it really affected our family. And then to see me to be at peace with it, um, it actually helped to bring my mom, my own mom to the Lord, but there were other people there who had lost babies and they were, they didn't understand, you know, how we could be so full of joy and celebrate this life that was Mm. so shortly lived. And, um, actually he was, he, he was stillborn. So he was born in heaven is what I say. Um, but then people through the ministry of uh, the funeral of our son, um, people grieved the own loss of their children. And, um, Yeah, the difficult things that we go through, we never know what God has planned for those. And I have a really Mm -hmm. cool story of something that really interesting came out of that. My oldest son was in speech and debate and he had entered a right to life oratory contest and he was going to write about and do a speech on uh, euthanasia. And um, after we went through our experience. He said, I have to tell my, my story of my brother. And so he did, and he entered this oratory contest and he won. And, um, I tell you that just to say the Texas right to life people came up to me afterwards. Now, this had only been six months after we buried our son and they Mm -hmm. said would you be willing to share your story because a lot of people this is a hard story for them and they listen to their doctor and would you be willing to do some counseling and I said yes and I um, was I started speaking for Texas Right to Life that was another sort of dip my toe in the water in terms of communicating I shared my story and then I would kind of back up and say no no God you got the wrong person and then I'd, and then somebody else would call and say, "Will you come teach our people?" And I would say, "Okay, God, yes, I'll do it." And so we just never know um, the ripple effect of of how we handle a situation and what God's going to do with our pain um, if we use our story to give Him glory.
0: So, um, wow! So your 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 son um was stillborn, and he passed away uh, obviously. And how long after that was it that they were that they asked you to speak at that at that event?
1: Yeah. yeah, it was about six weeks um afterwards. Six weeks. Yeah. And that's something that you can only do in God's strength. And that's something that you can only do when you're focused on him. And, um, the Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of peace. And like I said, I was in a peace bubble because I didn't understand why God had allowed this, but I understood God's sovereignty and I knew that I could trust him. Um, even though it's not the way that I would have chosen for things to go.
0: Wow. It's incredible. Um, I, uh, just went there in my mind. I, I have, a my, my best friend, um, we found out, I guess, I don't remember the time frame at this point, but, uh, he, uh, he was diagnosed with, with cancer and, um, he's do he's doing, he's doing very well, but at the, at the time of his diagnosis, he had a stage four melanoma. And, uh, the first time that I got on the phone to talk with him, I was thinking about, you know, okay, like, you know, I'm a pastor too, Misty and, and, and I'm, you know, thinking about, you know, I want to, I want to encourage him. I want to, you know, be a, be a pastor, be a friend, you know, all of that. But in that conversation, um, he encouraged me like to tears because um, of the journey that he had been on with God, just in that personal place of, of secret, you know, in that personal place of connection and intimacy with the father and in the midst of what he was going through this the way that god was speaking to him and comforting his heart he was a different person um you know and uh and he he brought so much encouragement and it was this thing that people would come up to him and you know like feel bad for him and stuff like that and then over and over again he would just speak these words of just truth and encouragement and stuff like that and it's amazing thing when God does that, and I think it takes people back. It's like, yo, why are you there? Like, how are you had, there?
1: Yeah, how are you in that calling place? Me saying, yeah, trying to trying to give me like they were like, oh, and I, you know, and trying to encourage me, and they would they would leave the conversation completely encouraged and it's like what just um, happened? <laughs>
0: it's like a drive-by encouragement. Wasn't expecting that at all. But um, man, that's so that that's so profound misty and um man i just want to say that i'm 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 uh I'm, i'm so sorry that you that you went through that but at the same time um it's it's just incredible how god gave you all peace um in the midst of that you know what was that like um walking through that with how many how many kids do you have
1: so I have three boys. Um, you have three boys. Okay. Yeah. And um, and how uh, long and
0: ago was this that this happened? Yeah. So that was uh,
1: eleven years ago.
0: Eleven years ago, and yeah. so you were walking through this with three boys that were like how old at the time? Like
1: seventeen. Um, okay. And my youngest was probably eight um, at the time, okay. seven eight. Yeah.
0: What, what was that like walking through that that process with boys with a family you know and you know some d- different different age levels and different levels of understanding and stuff like that I'm sure but walking through that as a family and being at that you know having a funeral for um for your your child and just all of that I'm just uh, I- I'm blown away by <laughs> by your story Misty and and by what you're what you're talking about with the level of of peace and stuff that God gave you in the midst of what you were going through. I'm just curious, what was that like walking through that process um, with your with your family in that way?
1: yeah so I was homeschooling my boys at the time and it was really difficult because my oldest son the one that did the speech and debate he also did a moot court and mock trial and he had signed on to Duke University every year they have a moot court competition and they only select 40 teams of all their entries and kids from all over the country submit and he was chosen and we Mm. couldn't go because I was the one that was going to take him. And I couldn't travel at that point in my pregnancy because I didn't want to be away from home and something happened. Mm -hmm. And it was really painful because something that my oldest child had worked so hard for, you know, he had to let go of that. And, um, and then my youngest child, it was really, you know, he was so looking forward to being the big brother finally. And um, that just the way that that he began, um, to pray over his brother. We just saw the Lord work in his life. It was, mm. was amazing. So, um, when our son was still born, we were in the hospital. And our oldest son was there and our youngest son was there. Our middle son was not there because he has profound special needs and we didn't feel Mm, that it was appropriate for him to be there. So we had the oldest and we had the youngest. And um, as we are saying our goodbyes, um, we uh, we allowed our, our youngest son to pray over him. And the nurse came in the middle of this prayer and she was just like so blown away that that out of the mouth of babes, um, could just be this incredible prayer. So, um, you know, we came together, my friends all wanted to come to the hospital when Liam was born. And I'm like, y'all, this is not a happy time. Like my family just needs to, we just need to, to, come together and so we t- put praise music on um in the ho- hospital room as as we we birthed them and um you know we just came together and, and and really leaned on each other as as a family and had to you know kind of deal with it in our own ways but also mm-hmm. we grieved together
0: wow and how important do you think that process of grieving is you know because i know that there are times when we can go through something that's tragic and we can really work hard to try to shield ourselves from feeling it from experiencing it you know we can we can shield ourselves people shield themselves in different ways whether it's you know, through like excessive sleep or through, you know, filling up all your time with people or, you know, keeping yourself busy or, you know, there's different ways that, that people kind of go about that. But, um, you know, there's I think that we can kind of not allow ourselves to fully feel something that we're going through. We can use different methods of of doing that. But how important do you think that it is to as you're walking through something that's that's tragic through something where there's loss, um, to, to go through that and to allow yourself to feel it and to take the time to grieve in that process.
1: Yeah. I think it's Absolutely critical. And I think that we, in a, um, in our busy American culture, don't take time. Like in the Bible, there were specified times for people to grieve. And, and right. we don't do that. And um, I can speak from personal experience because when my brother died, I was 12. And my family was really? completely just wrecked. And I stuffed it all because I felt like I had to be strong for my younger yeah. sister and to be there for my mom. And so that grief, if we don't deal with it, it will come out, it will manifest itself in other ways. And um, things that are hidden will, will come to light. And so if we Mm -hmm. don't deal with that pain and that grief, it's going to come out in another way in our life. And um, when I was pregnant with my oldest son, my father died unexpectedly and I grieved and and not only did I grieve the loss of my father, but with every grief you, you grieve another loss. And so I finally grieved the loss of my brother, but that was, um, that was like almost 10 years later. And so, Mm. um, if, if we don't grieve, um, we just, we really need to feel all the feelings, right? And then yeah, yeah, God can sure. get us past that um, so that we can can be whole and healed. Because if we don't deal with it, um, then we don't get the healing that we need.
0: Yeah. Nobody likes to feel that, you know, that, that brokenness or that pain, you know? Um, and But it's so much better. Like it's so it's just so helpful for you for moving for moving on, for moving forward um, to to take that time. And, uh, you know, however long that is, however long that is for you. But to take that time to, as you said, to feel all of the feelings, to allow yourself to feel, you know, if you need to feel angry for a while, like to feel angry, if you need to feel whatever, whatever it is, but like to allow yourself to feel those feelings and uh and to go through that process i think that that's so as you said it's so key to the um to yeah to that process you know going yeah forward.
1: you know and something that the lord has been reminding me of is um in the old testament um when god supernaturally did uh things he said set up these remembrance stones or mm-hmm. an ebenezer like mm-hmm. every ebenezer um uh, you know is, is is we remember god's faithfulness in the midst of the trial in the midst of the tragedy and if we can have these remembrance stones or have have. Um, So for us, we had little tokens of, of little gifts that people had given us that we collected and put in a box. And 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 when I'm in a hard time, I can go there and I can go and I can remember God's goodness and remember God's faithfulness. And if he's gotten me through this trial, um, he can get me through another trial. And even if it's wow. not, not a really difficult trial, it could just be a struggle, like a when I'm trying to figure out something in my life. But if we remember God's faithfulness in the big and in the small, and we create a remembrance stone of that, we, we, we make, we build this altar to the Lord in remembrance. Um, it can just, it can get us through our next hard time because we're a forgetful people. So I'm a big journaler mm-hmm. and I can go back and see where God has just answered my prayers and um, has just, just his hand of faithfulness throughout my life.
0: How important has the has writing been for you in terms of dealing with, you know, hurt and loss and pain and tragedy? Um, How has the, the process of writing about it helped you to get closure or helped you to, you know, experience healing in your life?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, just journaling my prayers for, for many years when, when times were really hard and I didn't understand what God was doing and, 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 um, I would just journal, just journal all my thoughts and prayers. And, um, in some prayers I could go back through my journals and I could see, wow, I have been praying the same prayer for a very long time and there is no answer. And sometimes Mm. that happens in our life where, um, I think we need to still press in and we still need to pray and we still need to ask God, we may not get the answer that we're looking for, but, but I think sometimes things are so overwhelming that then we, we think that we have prayed about it, but we've really thought about it a lot and we've never really prayed about it. And so I Mm. think that, you know, being able to see the process of that in the journal I think is, is so important. And then, um, I've been able to turn around and take those, those words that have ministered to my soul. And I've used those words to minister to others. And so I think that that is, is a really key and it just, it also helps with the healing process. Like we were talking about, I think yeah. um, if anyone here is, uh, you know, the last two years have been difficult on many levels um, for a variety of different reasons for many people. And if your listeners are finding themselves in a place where, you know, they're unsure of what God's doing in 2020, you know, start, journaling, and write down all of the ways that He's been faithful to you. And and, and then at the end of next year, then open that up and, and see all of the things that He did in 2020. Um, because I think that's just a, a great way to remember.
0: Yeah, as you said, we're so forgetful, like we can be so forgetful. And particularly, we can forget so easily about the good things that have happened, the good things that God has done, the the reasons that we do have to be thankful. So the Bible over and over again, you mentioned the setting up of the altars and the setting up of the remembrance stones and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And like, all throughout, we see it woven throughout Israel's history, they would tell the stories over and over again, they would get together on certain, you know, holidays or to celebrate a feast. And they would tell the stories about God's faithfulness and what God had done. The story would get passed down from family to family, from generation to generation, just remembering God's faithfulness and God's goodness. And we have to have those anchor points to be able to look at and to remember, you know what, God, Um, you know, we, we can take it too far where we get stuck on one testimony and think that we're supposed to live on that forever. And I don't believe we're supposed to do that because God wants to give you more <laughs> and new things. But at the same time, it's not like something that God has done or even where we've met with God or God showed us something where, you know, you were reading a passage passage of scripture and you were going through a difficult time and God illuminated something to you, or you were, or God just interrupted your day and you had an encounter with God of some, you know, in some way or God spoke to you or promised you something or whatever these experiences that we have with God throughout our lives, where we can point to his faithfulness, his goodness, we can forget about those things so easily in the midst of the difficulties of life and the frustrations and the challenges. That's why I think writing and journaling is so important for all of us to, um, to be able to go back to things if if you if you can't write or you hate writing like it's really cool because you can do like voice memos in your phone or like whatever you need to do but it's so important right because the enemy is always out to attack and to tear us down and to load us up with guilt and shame and to remind us of how crappy our lives are that like we've got to be somewhat proactive in this to say no like i'm not going to allow those things because if we just sort of default and allow things to transpire the way they're going to transpire, there's going to be a whole lot of negativity as a default swirling around our minds. So we've got to be intentional about remembering God, remembering his goodness, remembering his faithfulness. And it might be like, you know, putting up Bible verses on your refrigerator. It might be like bookmarking your body. Like there's different ways to do this. Right. But, um, but just being intentional about remembering Who God is, what he's done, the fact that he is good, that he is faithful, um, because all of those testimonies, they prophesy to our present and to our future as well and gives us ground to stand on where we can say, "Okay, God, like I know that you don't change. And because you don't change and you've done this before, you'll do it again.
1: That's right. That's right. And, and I think you touched on another critical part as well. Um, not living off of the old testimony. Like we have to be in the word daily. Like we have to get that daily bread from the Lord. We have to get that manna to sustain us. And, um, and, and then when the, those difficult times and we need to, sometimes we got to preach to ourselves. Um, but the only way we can preach to ourselves and to defeat the lies that the enemy tries to tell us it, we have to have we have to take our thoughts captive and we have to know what the word says so that we can say that's a lie, so that we can discern the truth of God's voice, the voice of truth, and the, the lie of the enemy.
0: Mm, it's so good. Um, you know, we're kind of talking about how the writing process can help you to heal and how even like all of these, you know, maybe years later. Um I <laughs> had I had an experience very recently, like, two nights ago, where uh, I I received, somebody gave me a word and told me that I needed to write um, a book on identity. And I've been teaching on identity for a number of years. Um, And I had a book that was like, about a quarter of the way written from like a couple years ago on the subject. And I just never finished it. Uh, But I, I start, I was like, okay, well, let me let me do this. And, um, and I'm being intentional about it. And so I, I, I sat down at my computer. Couple nights ago, really late at night, but a couple nights ago, and I started to write. And I had in my mind, I'd already done like kind of an outline, and I knew where I was going. And then I just started writing, and all this stuff from my past, from when I was a kid, uh, like just like things that defined me as a kid, started coming out. And these are things that like, not I I wouldn't say I've never told anybody, but not in this, not to this extent. And was something that I did not think that I was going to be writing about. But God was just sort of connecting some things together, and and I'm writing about this stuff that was like you know almost 30 years ago at this point, and I'm, and uh, and and recognizing all these years later some of those those things like the why behind why I did certain things, like why I was such a fearful child, and and why I was always you know worried about things, and I, I like as a teenager I developed this sort of like obsessive compulsive behavior i was like constantly washing my hands to the point that they would bleed like just germaphobic all these different things and it was like these things that i had never really analyzed before um that uh you know i would say that i'm free from those things and all of that but there was just i think another layer that i was that god wanted to peel back and i'm sitting there writing thinking about it it's about one thing and and god just kind of like nope this is about you right now (laughs) and just wanting to show me stuff and it's so cool how god just wants to remove those layers you know those things that we put on our heart for whatever reason to insulate ourselves to protect ourselves he wants to like peel those things back as we allow him to and he's got a special timing for it as well but the goal of god in your life is just to move you into just complete complete healing complete freedom complete wholeness that's his desire for us
1: Absolutely. And I, I love that you shared that story because you're absolutely right. When we go to sit down to write a book, we think it's about one thing and God has a totally different plan. Yeah, And 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 if you can use that time to really listen to the Lord and to allow him to heal those broken places within you, mm. um, God set me free of something in my writing process that, um, you know, 30 years of pain and shame and, um, never intended to, to bring that wound into the open or to share it or to tell anybody I had an abortion in high school and, Mm. um, and I stuffed, I stuffed it deep. And when I started writing, God brought that out and God broke my heart when he, he, um, I, when I shared my story of our son who had died, um, I had shared his story at a, um, at a retreat and all the other people shared their story. And I realized that wasn't my whole testimony about my pro-life story. The reason I was able to be so adamant about not aborting our son is because I know that I was deceived by the enemy and I did abort a a child and um, the pain and the shame that I buried for so Mm. many years affected me in so many different ways in my life. And there there was no way that I could even tell anybody that I did that. Cause it's not something we want to talk about in the church. Mm-hmm. Like we pretend wow. like, Oh, I, I have no sin. I'm good. I'm here. Um, but you know, God, God did that for me in the writing of, of one of my books. And, um, yeah. And now I don't care. I can tell anybody because I think that's one of the biggest areas that he has deceived people. He's deceived women and men and, um, and i think that when we get to heaven um you know we may have a different perspective of just what it what's happening in the world today and the spiritual battle that's that's behind that whole thing
0: wow well th- thank you for for sharing that um do you, you mentioned the the shame and just sort of that that pressure of guilt and you know condemnation that you were under during that during that time did that go do you remember like did that just last for a really extended period of time what what was that like
1: yeah i mean it um it manifested itself in and you know i started it, i was in high school and i started drinking and doing drugs and trying to find anything that i could to to mask the pain of, of that. And so, and then that caused me more shame and more pain. And it wasn't until I like fully yeah. came to the end of myself yeah. and Jesus rescued and redeemed me that, um, that I could find healing, but it, I still stuffed it. I, I didn't talk about yeah. it. I didn't share it. Um, but then when we can bring those deepest, darkest places of pain in our life and we can surrender to the Lord, um, not only, I mean, he heals us, but then we can use that story to encourage someone else who's down the road. So your story and all of those painful things that the Lord brought up to you through, through writing, and you're now on the other side of it, you are a prime candidate to be able to help someone who's, who still may be stuck in that fear.
0: Mm. Yeah, you know, we can we can be so deceived into thinking that because we did something or something was done to us or because of, you know, what we've experienced that we're, we're damaged goods, we're broken, that we couldn't do that. Like, I can't do that because of this. I can't do that because of what I've been through, because of what they did to me, because you know, whatever. And we can disqualify ourselves. And I just think that that's so the bent of the enemy to try to get you to disqualify yourself. And he just uses shame um in 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 the most just perverted ways to try to get you to cover things up you know you mentioned you know drinking and different things like we can look we we can look at people and we can be really quick to judge somebody's external behavior without taking a moment to think about you know hold on like the fact that this person is drinking or they're doing drugs or they're doing like whatever it is that they're doing like what is that External behavior really masking or covering up, you know, because so often we do things like the the sin itself, the things that we do are very rarely <laughs> the actual problem. Like there's they're a manifestation of something deeper that's going on that's oftentimes just it's a mask, it's a cover-up for you know, maybe it's loneliness, maybe just some form of brokenness or guilt or shame or whatever it is that. You know when we don't when we don't deal with those those issues and those hurts in our lives as you said before they just they they spring up they manifest in different ways you know we might like clip the hedges a little bit or like you know kind of trim the area so that we like oh i fixed that i don't do that anymore but then unbeknownst to us there's still a root system that's going on below the surface and so it's going to come up, it's going to spring up over here now, and it might manifest itself in a different way, but it's part of the same problem because there's hurt there, there's pain there, there's unresolved issues there that I haven't allowed God to deal with. I haven't allowed him to heal because I've just kind of covered it up, and uh, or I've allowed something else, or I've come under something like shame or something else that has really just you know caused me to... Mask this thing or to cover this thing up. And it's such a twisted thing that the enemy does to just keep us in that place of bondage without experiencing the freedom that God, like the freedom that Jesus died to secure for us. He freed us from all of that. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He set us free from the shame and like he gave his life to do that because it's just, it's that bad. It's that gross. It's that disgusting. And it leaves us in this place of just brokenness that we don't need to stay there because of what he's done for us
1: absolutely absolutely i can see in my own life where um i i knew that i'd been called to write and to speak But I went through this crisis moment thinking, there's no way God can use me. And I think that's why when I was writing the Bible study, those stories of people like, like Peter and Paul or Job, who'd been through all of these trials, people that just normal people that were having the troubles of their day, yet God could use them. Mm. And I think that He can use any of us if we can um if we just say yes to him and then and we allow him to heal heal our brokenness
0: mm. let me let me go back specifically to that issue of of abortion for just a minute, um, because you you mentioned that it's something that the enemy uses to just trap, you know, women with um this idea of of shame. Um, because I mean, the statistics are really staggering for the number of women um, that have had abortions, right? And I think that there's this, this, um, there's this, there's this thing in society, right, where they've attempted to make abortion like a women's empowerment issue, right? Like they've attempted to make abortion this thing that's kind of like a badge of bravery. Um, in, in some ways, well, I don't know, would you agree with that or, or am I talking crazy? No. Like I, I, no, I, no, I you're, feel like you're there's absolutely right. Things.
1: And I, and I think they're deceived because the Bible says, um, in Psalm 139, that we are knitted together in our mother's womb. Right. Mm, God fully yes. knows us yeah. from the, the before we're ever born, he's got plans for our lives from the foundation of the universe is what the scripture says and when someone has an abortion <clears throat> death is brought into the secret place of a woman where god creates life and it Whoa. brings death and that is the the part that is that causes the pain that causes the shame that causes all of that but but i think the narrative you know they don't want to think about the, what they've done. And so therefore mm. they say that this is liberating. It's, it's like, instead yeah. of abstaining from sex to not get pregnant they're they use it as well, you know, it's an afterthought or an afterplan because they don't really understand that that is life that is being created and that it is being created by God and that you are bringing death mm. into a place that was meant for life
0: wow yeah that's exactly what i wanted to ask you um like do you do you think that obviously the the enemy is behind it right but like the the fact that it's gotten to this place where it is in society where what 50 years ago it wasn't a thing um and even 20 years ago it was it wasn't anywhere near the the place that it is now, right? Like right. I, I know there's obviously there's been a, a whole agenda and lots of adv- advocacy for, um, you know, pro-choice and, and all of that for, for a number of years. And it's been a, a huge narrative and it's been a, um, you know, a very polarizing issue. But the fact that it's gotten to this place where it's almost like pedestalized as this thing, like, as far as the narrative of, of mainstream, you know, society and media goes like, I'm not even allowed to talk about this because I'm a man, right? Like I'm not allowed to have this conversation because it's not, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a uterus. Right. So like, because this doesn't affect me and because of the whole my body, my choice, you know, kind of a thing, there's like this, this thing where uh, I think, you know, men have been pushed out of the conversation a lot and stuff like that. And that, and that's fine. But I'm just saying like, um, it's become this issue where it's, uh, again, I think it's become an empowerment thing where like, oh, if you want to take my right, it's my right. If you want to take my right away, then you're, you know, you're actually tramping on my right as a woman to be able to have the choice to terminate my murder. pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Murder. I mean, if yeah, you think about you. it, I there mean. There you go. It-
1: Yeah. And, and so the enemy has definitely twisted the narrative. Um, and I think also at the, at the root of that is, is pride. Um, Mm. because, um, it's, I know my way is better than God's way. Um, I mean, and, and that's really what, um, is behind a lot of the narratives that we're seeing today, even, you know, the, the, the the gay agenda is a proud it's a pride it's a pride month it's Mm -hmm. just like it's like saying we know better than you do god and really when we are followers of of the lord it is not my will but your will be done and even jesus came and said father if there's any other way if you could take this cup, he said not my will but your will and i think that there's this, this pride that says, I'm going to do things my way. You can't tell me what to do. It's, it's, it's all a, it's all a bitter root of pride that needs Mm -hmm. to be distinguished.
0: And that's like, that showed up, you, you know, that showed up in this area now kind of uh, something that's relatively new is um, the, you know, like the transgender movement and, All of these people that are like advocating for children to be able to start the process of going on like hormone blockers and to start the process of changing their sex from this young age and where like parents are being, you know, manipulated by doctors into uh, doing doing certain things because, oh, well, if you don't, then you're, you know, you're, you have a much higher chance of your child, you know, becoming suicidal and all these different things. And so there's a lot of fear that that swirls around it. Um, but what I've found is that um, a lot of like the and not that I'm like super in the middle of this particular conversation, but I've heard several, like like many um, trans people, men and women that um, have like gone through the process of, you know um, of uh, transitioning and all of that who are like, yo, you need to stop. Like, this is not this is not good. Like people that have gone through that process that are now on the other side and they say like you need to stop letting kids do this like this is not something that that we should be doing and those
1: people are demonized because it goes against mm-hmm. the narrative that they want exactly. to push, which exactly. actually is all an attack on Genesis. Whether it's biblical marriage, um, not having sex out of marriage, whether it's one man, one woman, that, that God only created man and woman, all of those things are an attack on Genesis. Because mm-hmm. if we attack Genesis, then we don't have to listen to what anything else in the Bible says, and I think that that's really where the enemy is attacking the family structure, um, people in general. It all goes back to Genesis in the garden, and like I said, our problem is sin, and we all have it. We just Mm. either deal with it or we don't, And um, but one day every knee will bow, and it will be dealt with, whether we choose to do it now or later.
0: Yeah. Choose now. (laughs) Now is better. (laughs) Um, so do you find something similar in, with the, the work that you do, um, as far as the advocacy for, for uh, pro-life advocacy and when you talk with, um, with families and people like, um, well, I don't know how much involved you are in this conversation. You can tell me, but, um, do you find a similar thing that women who have who are on the other side of an abortion, like completely change their opinion and perspective on it because they've gone through and they know what it's like to go through that pain um, of having had an abortion and to walk through life with that feeling of of, of guilt or that feeling of shame or that feeling of loss. Um, do you Do you find that there are like a lot of women that come to the other side of an abortion and then just wish they had never done it? and who you know find themselves with like a different perspective on you know whether or not people should do this
1: yeah i think it goes back to the conversation that we had at the very beginning where and i said when something happens to us we can either we either become bitter or we choose to get better. And Mm -hmm. I think that that very same thing. So there are some women who have had multiple abortions and those are the ones who are like, it's my choice. It's my right. I can, um, can do what I want. And I think those women's, Hearts have been hardened by sin Mm. and that with every step that they take, that there's there's still that pain there somewhere deep, even if they don't acknowledge it. Um, And then I think on the other side of that, I think that there are women who are truly broken by the the sin Um, And that then they have allowed God to heal their heart. And so I think those are the ones who do regret their choice. And, um, but they don't, they, a lot of them still don't want to talk about it because it's so taboo and it's not something that we talk about in society. And so I Mm. think that you can see both Actually, you can see people who have not choose to deal with it and who have become bitter. And then I think that the ones who've allowed the Lord to heal them, some of them will speak about it and a lot of them won't just because God still hasn't maybe healed them from all of the shame of. The abortion, the hardest thing for me when I was at that retreat, I was in, I was in Georgia and God broke my heart um, uh, over my sin of abortion. And I knew when I came home that I had to tell my boys and I didn't care what anybody in this world thought of me because I know that. I had confessed my sin to God and that God's word says, as far as the East is to the West, that Jesus came and died for my sin, that he had covered that. And when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of his son. He does not see that sin, but Mm, I had to face my people in my home. And, and I told them, and I was so concerned about what they would say to me. And my oldest son looked over at me, And he held my hand and he said, Mom, there's nothing that you ever could do that would make me not love you. And that to me was such an example of Christ, because that's the way Christ is to us when when he He loves us. We're his children. And and even when we mess up really bad, no one is beyond God's saving. And so if we can humble ourselves and come to him, he's not going to say, I'm so mad at you. You did this thing. He's going to come with open arms and say, you're my child and I love you and I forgive you. Hmm. And so, you know, if there's anybody who's watching this or, or listening to this, I just pray if there's something that. Um, has happened to you in your life or something that you've done, that a choice, a decision that you've made that you regret, it isn't, you are not too far gone. God can save anyone. If God can save a wretch like me, he can save you. And not only that, he can then use you in his divine story of redemption to encourage Mm. and inspire others. Wow.
0: That's such a beautiful thing that moment that you had with your with your sons and uh you know the way they expressed their love to you um and uh the way that you know god reveals his love and goodness to us even through you know other people is so cool and you know i think that that's the that's the challenge that a lot of us face that a lot of people face in their minds is that idea that lie that exists, that God's going to be mad at me, you know, that if I draw near to God, he's going to reject me. He's going to be mad because of my sin. He's going to be mad because of the mistakes that I've made. He's going to be disappointed in me. You know, maybe I've gone too far. Maybe what I've done is too bad and God can't forgive me anymore. He can't like, you know, these things, these lies that we allow to get into our minds. And uh, it's just so not true. Like, as you said, he's he's such a loving father. He's such a good God and when you just go to him like his arms are already open wide just waiting for you to come home and to and to give it to him you know to give him the shame that you're feeling like that's the amazing thing about jesus is he invites us to turn our burdens over to him so he takes them and then he gives us him he gives us peace he gives us rest he gives us strength he gives us joy he gives us everything that we need it's like this exchange that we're able to 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 have with god on an ongoing basis and it doesn't run out. He doesn't say, oh, well, that's enough. You had too much. I don't have any more grace for you. Like, no, like it's all by grace. It's it's all by his grace. And he's really is that good. Like he's so much better than we give him credit for. And it causes us to hold on to things and to carry things for longer than than we should, to carry things for longer than we need to and to not experience that freedom and that healing that he has for us because You know, maybe we just don't, maybe we don't trust him. Maybe we don't know him to that point. You know, I think what we so often do is we project our experiences from life onto God. You know, we tend to project onto God our, our experience with our earthly, you know, mothers, fathers, mother and father figures, people in the church, leaders, you know, we we tend to project that onto God, and so if we haven't had that in our life, or we've had a bad model of that in our life, or whatever, we tend to put that on God as you know that's how He's going to treat us, and it's just so not true. He's so full of love. He's so good, and if we'll just um, if we'll just give it to Him and allow Him to take those broken places of our hearts, He's so good at restoring them. He's so good at at setting things in their proper place and making things right within us. It's what he does. So he is, yeah. he's so good at it.
1: Just called by his grace, because it is only by his grace that yeah. I can do what I do um, because on my own, I'm an absolute train wreck, but with God, um, me too. yeah, we all are. I mean, mm-hmm. so, but um, by his grace, we can do, greater things than we can even imagine, because he has great plans for our lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So the the By His Grace podcast and just that concept of, of By His Grace, you know, like none of this is about me. I, I asked you earlier about like, how did you do that? That first podcast uh, convention, that first conference where, uh, you know, you filled up that room on the first try and, and your response was, well, I can't take any credit for it. It was like God's finger was on it. God's hand was on it. He moved it, he made it happen. And I think that that's such an important, um, just attitude and mindset to maintain that it's not about us. So whether we're talking about good things or bad things or whatever, like ultimately, like it's not about me, it's not in my strength, it's in his strength, it's by his grace and learning to live that way, it just removes so much of the pressure so much of the weight. And of course, you know, we're still going to feel things when we go through them. We're still going to have challenges. We're still going to, you know, be be pushed into those corners at times, and we're still going to walk through um, perplexing and difficult circumstances. But when we kind of like get into that, that trust relationship with God, we're able to shift the weight of it onto him and allow him to carry us through those seasons of life. Again, whether we're talking about good things or just hard things or tragic things or whatever we're talking about, just allowing him to to carry us through and resting in him, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, uh, Misty, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you again being on the show and sharing uh, some of your story with us. I'm I'm really blown away by your story and by the beauty that God is just bringing a- out of your life and impacting so many people. And uh, again, it's really just been an honor to have you on the show. If um, where where could we point some people so that we so that they can connect further with you or c- connect with some of those resources that we've discussed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm um, I have two websites. One is mistyphilip.com, and that's where my books and my podcast live. Um, and then also um my other website is sparkmedia.ventures, and you will find me online pretty much everywhere as Misty Phillip. No s.
0: <laughs> no S. Except for the yeah. <laughs> Misty Phillip, um, mistyphilip.com. And uh, yeah, so good. Well, um, what j- just to wrap up here, what are some of the things that are uh, covered in that Spark Media Conference?
1: Yeah. So um, this year uh, is, I'm so excited about uh, the focus of this conference. So um, one of the things is about being worth following on social media. And as a believer, how can we present ourselves online in a way that we open up conversations and not shut conversations down? And also, Mm -hmm. how can we steward our social media presence well? Um, And then also some Balancing ministry. And, um, life and business and kind of how we do all of those things and how we can do those things well and, and honor the Lord and, um, different ways that we can learn to use the media to promote the work that we're doing so that we can amplify our voice to, um, so that more people can hear the message. Those are some of the things I'm really excited, um, that I've got the head of podcasting, uh, the head of podcast publishing for Spotify, is going to be on a panel with um, the head of the Access More Network, which is, um, which is Air One, um, you know, radio station. And so a lot of big name Christian music podcasters and are are under their umbrella. And so it's just this really interesting mix of people that God is bringing together. Um, You know, Francesca Battistelli's mom is coming to open us and pray. And she's an author herself who's written The God Dare. And um, just lots of, you can check it all out at sparkmedia.ventures. It's going to be a whirlwind. um, But I'm so excited about the group that the Lord's bringing together to equip His people for such a time as this.
0: That's so good. That's so good. Well, um, everybody, thank you for checking out this episode. If it blessed you or encouraged you or challenged you in any way, uh, if you consider subscribing, sharing or leaving a review, i really appreciate that. But I would just say before you do any of that, check out MistyPhilip.com. Check out some of these resources that Misty's been talking about. Uh, Check out the podcast, the By His Grace podcast. Uh, available on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, the struggle is real, but so is God. Is the name of the book. I still love that. <laughs> I still love that title, Misty. It's so cool. But, uh, but please, everybody, I I urge you check out some of these resources. Um, it's really, really cool, Misty. I'm uh, again, I'm. Um, it's just been such a blessing for me to hear your story, and um, and I just feel uh, just encouraged and challenged to hold on to hope and to hold on to faith in the midst of challenges and your life, your your life and your story is uh so inspirational i'm sure we didn't even get into everything either but you know with the so many of the different challenges and the things that you've gone through that could have really just kind of piled up and piled up and piled up and led your life into a completely different direction but by his grace Um, by his grace. you're, You're here today and you're doing awesome things out in the world. So again, it's truly been an honor. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. See you next time.